babies, my beloveds, my absolutely gorgeous degenerate angels. It's another beautiful week on the dark side, and I am so happy to have you here. Welcome back to the only podcast that is 100% scientifically guaranteed to make life worth living, and it's called Tales of Taboo. For those of you who are new here or who just enjoy hearing me talk, my name is Allie Weiss. I am a downtown New York Z-list host, writer, performer, and all-around professional conversationalist obsessed head over heels with all people, experiences, and ideas outside the bounds of what society considers traditionally acceptable, accessible, or quote-unquote normal. How this show works is that each week I invite my audience and their friends and sometimes even their friends of friends to share their unconventional life stories through voice notes and writing behind the shield of complete anonymity. The result of this is half investigative journalism and half fluffy, rowdy daytime television, and I guarantee it is unlike anything else you've heard in this deeply oversaturated sonic space. My goal here is simply to publicize and normalize the touchy subjects that we all talk about or at least wonder about behind closed doors by getting firsthand accounts from people who have actually lived through them and, as a result, have really valuable life lessons to share. This week, we are talking about herpes. So, I got stuck in one of my very frequent internet rabbit holes of reading really insane, abrasive blog posts on celebrity gossip sites from the mid-2000s. I know my Gen Z degenerates are going to call me a boomer for this, but sorry. Celebrities today literally refuse to publicly misbehave anymore, and I'm bored, so I have to go into my time capsule. Anyway, a recent round of this very stoned research led me to Paris Exposed. Do you guys remember this? Paris Hilton had this storage unit from when she moved in 2004, and in 2007, it had an unpaid bill of $208, which is like, why Paris Hilton didn't pay that, I don't know. But regardless, the company auctioned off all of the stuff in that unit, which got purchased by this PR dude who was nicknamed, you're not ready, the Sultan of Sleaze because he sold stolen nude content of celebrities. Legendary name that I honestly want to adopt, but extremely fucked. And he created this website called parisexposed.com and it showed all of the things that were in the unit. To go through that inventory is an episode in and of itself, which honestly may be worth doing because it's so fascinating. But one of the more revealing discoveries in it was a bottle of the prescription drug Valtrax, which is an antiviral medication used to treat herpes. And people went mental. Paris's reputation was already very unfairly tarnished because of the release of the sex tape, One Night in Paris, and the discovery of the Valtrax definitely did not help that public discourse. The way that people talked about her and herpes was vile. I mean, they used words like tainted and filthy and dirty and used up. And the New York Post even deemed her sex addicted. And I just started thinking like, what? 
Like, okay, aside from any of the problematic behavior that Paris may or may not have been engaging in at that point in her life, how the hell does somebody having an STI immediately mean that they're addicted to having sex? Like, knowing the statistics of how common STIs are and also logically knowing how easy it is to get them, like, just from one unlucky person, that logic absolutely does not add up. And this led me to Googling celebrities with herpes and celebrities with cold sores and seeing just how little information or even, like, pure he-said-she-said gossip was available about this. Literally, the only thing I could find were these like very off-brand, grammatically incorrect gossip sites, purely speculating about like how many people Derek Jeter had given herpes to because obviously he's a famous playboy before getting married. And going off of those sites, if you Google specific people like Victoria Beckham, Misha Barton, um, Katie Holmes, Justin Timberlake... You can find one or two paparazzi shots of them with cold sores and like every once in a while, like some slanderous Daily Mail article about it. But the only person who has come out, famous person who's come out and confirmed having herpes is the actress Anne Hesh, who, is that how you pronounce it? Hesh? Hesha? I hope it's Hesh. H-E-C-H-E. And she contracted it from being sexually abused by her father as a very little girl and obviously, it's amazing that she spoke out about all of that. But that particular instance attaches one really intense stigma to another already stigmatized condition. And I draw attention to this because, as we all know, like we look to pop culture to be a reflection of civilian culture, right? It's either a direct mirror of our nastier bits and bobs, or it serves as a beacon of hope. And for people with herpes, there's absolutely nothing. There's no mirror and there's no hope. It's just pure slander. And reading all of this was really emotional for me because it very much reminded me of how I felt when I was gearing up to have my abortion. And I was desperately looking for a community online, which I couldn't find. All I could find was tons of negative opinions with very little fact or or any sort of firsthand experience. And as I talk about in the solo episode I recorded about my abortion, I deeply know that feeling of loneliness and despair that I am sure people who have herpes feel. And I knew I had to do something. It, It is worth me saying that like I have to believe that pop culture commenters of the past and occasionally even the present, say nasty things about STIs to make their own selves and all like the normie peasants, if you will, feel better. Um, STDs are really common and it's a very human thing to do to use someone else's misfortune to comfort your own self and in moments of feeling low. Like I get it and we all secretly do it. But the problem with doing this in regards not only to STIs in general, but an incurable STI, is that it directly contributes to the widespread view that herpes is a filthy disease, that like we must avoid at all costs. 
And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. No one wants herpes. The descriptions you'll hear from our contributors this week about how the infection can manifest itself physically are like objectively gory and unpleasant. And I sympathize that they have to continuously worry about dealing with the pain and the stress of having an outbreak. But at the end of the day, it's a skin condition or like an autoimmune disease. And if you take a step back and you think about it, how is herpes really that different from psoriasis, for example? Kim Kardashian has become like the poster woman of psoriasis, and she's spoken loudly and proudly about it and shared really visually unappealing photos of herself covered in rashes and scabs. And we celebrate her for being brave and we just take it for what it is, no problem. But if she were to come out and talk about herpes, which I I can't confirm 100% that she has, but there is a photo of her with a cold sore online. If she came out and she admitted to that, people would go mental. Not only would they start slut-shaming her, but I do believe that it would ruin her sex pot brand. And, And the question with that is like, why? Mystery leads to fear. And fear leads to misunderstanding. And misunderstanding leads to judgment. So it's truly a very big honor for me this week to be able to help tell our anonymous contributors stories about living with oral and genital herpes. I hope that everybody listening learns something and takes a step in a less judgmental direction. I can absolutely admit that I certainly did. And without further ado, this is Tales of Taboo. I am 28 years old and I was 24 when I first got the HSV-1 virus. Um, I do know who I contracted from at the time. I was in a typical 20-year-old situationship, you know, friends with benefits type of scenario, but... At the time, I was immunosuppressed for very debilitating atopic dermatitis, which is eczema. Just, it's eczema on the rampage. I was covered in it all over my face, my neck, my hands, my boobs, my nipples, all the really uncomfortable places. And I would regularly have open wounds and sores. And I would regularly get infections because being immunosuppressed, I was very, very prone and a high risk um, candidate for picking up infections. Yeah, this person that I was in a situation with friends with benefits set up, I really, really trusted uh, because of how close we got, um, my situation, how good they were with it. Um, you know, um, as my self-esteem was rock bottom at the time, pretty much rock bottom. I had gone to my standard dermatology clinic one morning and I had noticed I had a split lip, which wasn't there the night before. And I just kept an eye on it and I went to the clinic and noticed that in the space of an hour, it had gone from a normal scab to being green. And I raised it to my doctor at the time. They're like, oh, it's fine. It's just an infection. Just keep an eye on it. Um, if he, if it, even it's an infection, actually, they didn't think it was an infection at the time, but I knew it was. I wake up the next morning um, and I now have pock holes all over my chin. Like literally like punch holes that you would put onto paper and they had a green, they were green crust and it gradually got worse. 
and I rang my work and advised them of it um, and sent a photo. I work in a medical setting uh, <laughs> and they said, that looks infectious. You need to get it swapped. I was now four, five days with this thing on my face that had now traveled from that split lip to my chin up and towards my eye. I was in pain and my lymph nodes were swollen as hell. There, you know, you have lymph nodes underneath your armpits. They were up. My neck was up. Even the ones on my wrists were up. So it came back that I had HSV1 and I to be honest, I was devastated because I was going, how the hell did I get this? I had contracted the HSV-1 virus, but because of the nature of the medication that I was on, uh, azeotherapine, as it's called, I was so immunosuppressed and my skin was in such a bad way at the time that I had my body had developed a condition called herpes eticum, yep, which is basically a skin condition that is eczema and herpes intertwined and it's just it's highly contagious I went back and told the person my friend how how did this happen and I transpired they had got with someone else I had been screwed over by a friend who was meant to understand and care for me it really really sent me down on a downward spiral because I was so affected on a day-to-day basis with my eczema already that I now had to have this factored into my day-to-day where people had previously already walked away from me on trains or buses or chain seats because they thought I was infectious from my eczema. Now I was in a state where I actually was infectious. And it was just, it was, I don't know how I didn't fall into a deep, dark hole of depression at the time. I really don't. But somehow I got through it and it was just, I just kind of hid away for that month. There's been more of an awareness, I feel, in Ireland the people understand that majority of our population carry HSV-1 virus. Now, they may not be symptomatic, but they carry it. And the thing is, if you're responsible, like myself, because I do consider my res- myself responsible, that if I have an active cold sore and someone goes, here, can I have a drink out of your drink? I'm like, no, hang on. Like, I have an active cold sore. Unless you have them, which you know, regardless, I wouldn't be saying take a drink out of my drink or sure using my lip balm. It's not worth it. I feel like the misconception about herpes is that you're a fucking slag if you have it. But I feel like it is getting less and less. Um I feel anyway, as someone who has it that maybe the misconceptions are getting less and less, but I could be completely wrong. That could be just me being hopeful. Submission number one. Turning 30 was a big deal to me, as it meant that I survived the shitstorm that I call my 20s. What I did not expect at 30 is that I would be single, living with HSV-1 and HSV-2. I was diagnosed with herpes when I was 25 years old. To my doctor, this was old news, as he had seen this time and time again. But to me, I felt grief for the loss of the sexual persona I once knew. I never had trouble finding a man that wanted to have sex with me. Finding someone who wanted to build a life with me was a different story. I have a lot of trauma that I had to work through, which I assumed had something to do with the difficulty of me finding a boyfriend. Now that I have herpes, though, both sex and boyfriend feel near impossible to come by. And this has made me feel dirty and undesirable. 
I was about eight months into my relationship with my boyfriend at the time when I had my first outbreak. At this point, the only time things seemed to be going well for us is when we were having sex, so we had lots of it and did not use condoms. My guess is that I got it from him, even though he would never admit to it. I cannot say for sure, though, as people can have herpes for years before they have their first outbreak. I reassured my ex that I was tested when we first got together and that I was negative, but little did I know that Planned Parenthood doesn't actually test for herpes unless you have symptoms. From my understanding, it's too expensive to include it with the regular panel of STI tests. Now, I tell every man that I am about to have sex with or may potentially have sex with that I have herpes. While some have been okay with it, usually from their own personal experience, most leave me with, thank you so much for telling me, or I am actually starting to see someone else and I would hate to pass anything else along to her, or STDs are a deal breaker for me. I can't even blame them. I don't want herpes either. Who does? I have friends ask me if I thought about just not saying anything. That would definitely be the easier way to go. But then I think about how I wish my ex was honest with me. If I knew, then we could have taken the proper precautions to prevent it from spreading. That is, if he was aware that he had herpes and if I would have been willing to be with someone who had it. I always had the dream of meeting a man that wanted to be with me regardless of my flaws. Here I am, though, going on two years without having sex and having recently given up on dating sites as I can't continue to subject myself to rejection. I am taking these turn-of-life events as an opportunity to find happiness on my own and not through others. I was so hell-bent on proving to my dad that I would be good enough to be someone's person despite what he told me. What I forgot to do along the way was learn to make myself happy regardless of others' opinions. Yes, it fucking sucks to have herpes, but it has also given me a chance to step away from what I let define me in the past and focus on learning to be happy on my own in a non-circumstantial way. How do I believe we can work to change the negative attitude towards it? I don't know if I have an answer to this at this point in my journey. Sure, there are things we can say to soften the blow, like women are less likely to give herpes to men than vice versa, and there are people who have been together for years where one has it and the other doesn't, and it is very unlikely that you will pass herpes to your partner if you're taking your medication and using a condom. But the only advice I can give is to focus on something that makes you happy, whether or not that involves a relationship. There has to be alternative happy ways of living other than what society deems a fulfilling life. I contracted oral herpes when I was about 14, I think, and then genital herpes as well when I was about 18 or 19, and I'm now currently 23. I went on a model United Nations trip and met this British guy and we made out. And afterwards, I got really sore tonsils and had to go to the doctor and the doctor then told me that I had herpes on my tonsils, um, which was shocking, but to be honest, not that um, life-changing since it was only on my tonsils and I didn't really understand the gravity. Only later, when I again became sick and then had huge blisters on my lips and walked around with them, and I didn't realize at the time that it was herpes and saw other people looking at me disgusted, and I just thought that my lips were ripped up from my cold. 
Um, it turns out my immune system was compromised and I had my first herpes flare up at about 15, I guess. And it was really, to me personally, disgusting and also embarrassing that I had no idea what it was before somebody told me. I have gotten it under control a bit more. The first time was very horrific and disgusting. It was yellow and pussy and horrible. I don't know if that's a little too much information. But since then, I have struggled with it consistently over the years. Sometimes I'd get it twice a month. Sometimes I wouldn't get it for three months, but definitely multiple times around the year. I contracted genital herpes in my late teens, I would say 18 to 19, to be honest, just because I was promiscuous and had sex unprotected with a bunch of people. I'm not sure exactly who I got it from, but I only had it once and it was the worst experience of my life. I've had a couple of STDs in my lifetime and I can tell you that it was by far the most painful. I don't know if you can tell from my accent, but I'm not American. I have lived in a couple of countries in Europe, Germany, the Netherlands, the UK, Switzerland and France. And out of all of those countries, I would say that um, the UK is the most cool and chill about um, oral herpes, at least. It's called a cold sore there. I don't know if it's called that in the US as well. But basically, um, the mentality is that it's just a cold for your lip and you put some ointment on it, take some pills and it's over and nobody really looks at you sideways, at least in my opinion. And I went to boarding school, so it was a rough crowd to begin with, but that was never an issue at all. So I was very lucky. I'm heterosexual, so I was interested in boys and I'm interested in men currently. Um, and I was very lucky that they were all very understanding and cool about it. I have to say that the same cannot be said for Germany. It is very, very stigmatized in Germany. Um, men are disgusted, grown ass men think it's the worst thing in the world. And some of my girlfriends, their boyfriends have broken up with them over herpes, oral or genital, which I think is ridiculous. I also had a very interesting interaction with a French doctor that told me that herpes was just the way of my body detoxifying and that I do not need medication or anything, which to be honest was just complete bullshit. I have to say that the Netherlands is very similar to Germany in the way that it is very stigmatized and has an air of disgust or taboo around it. You wouldn't talk to your friends about the fact that you currently have herpes or say, hey, I can't come out, I'm having a flare up. Whereas I think that that would be more acceptable in the UK. And in any case, all of my girlfriends have been very, very supportive and kind and understanding about it and have never made me feel gross or disgusting. It's more of a male thing in my experience. It hasn't really affected my sex life, obviously, because as my gyno told me, you can't get genital herpes from somebody that isn't flared up. So um, I've chosen not to disclose that with any of my sexual partners, except for my current boyfriend, just because we're close and we love each other and we tell each other everything. It has affected my self-esteem, however, I would say. Um, when I do have herpes on my lips, I feel very, very um, gross and disgusting. I don't like looking at myself. It really tanks my self-esteem. I don't like leaving the house or doing anything or seeing anybody. I haven't really seen anybody um, in the media or a celebrity photographed with herpes. I'm guessing probably because they feel the same and stay home. But so yeah, I haven't seen that 
part of myself reflected in the media. So maybe that helps the stigma, I guess, and in other people's eyes as well. I'm 25 and my first outbreak was when I was 20. I have HSV-1, but it's genital. I have never had an oral outbreak. I have a strong suspicion that I got it from a club promoter I used to go out with in college. It was the first and only time we had sex. All I can remember was him bending me over my bathroom sink and a few days later waking up with a fever and a ton of vaginal pain. A few days before that, I also had sex with another promoter. Could be either of them. Lesson was learned. I was absolutely devastated when I first found out. I went to one of the NYU Langone urgent care centers by my house, complaining about a UTI or a yeast infection. An older man in his 60s or 70s examined my vagina, accompanied by a younger female nurse. When he told me it looked like herpes, my stomach sank. The most disturbing thing the doctor told me was that if I had an outbreak while giving birth, I would have to have a C-section. I started crying. In hindsight, I realized that remark was totally unnecessary as I was a 20-year-old girl. He did also share that it was a lot more common than we think, and that one in three patients has it. At this rate, I can imagine it's even higher. I couldn't stand, I could barely sleep, nothing was comfortable. I couldn't shower, and when I had to pee, I had to do it in the shower. The best description is like getting a blister on the back of your ankle, but in your vagina. It's awful. On top of that, based off of everything you've heard about herpes, you feel like you're disgusting and unworthy of sex and a danger to others. It was extremely isolating and hard to deal with. I really thought that on every date I went on, I would have to disclose that I had herpes. Kind of hilarious, though. I had to sleep with ice packs or frozen bags of food between my legs, and one morning I woke up and the food was cooked. I don't feel like it's held me back at all since then. I take Valtrex daily for suppression therapy and have only had about two, maybe three outbreaks since my initial one. When I hear jokes about herpes, I honestly feel sad for whoever wrote them because they actually do not have a clue what it's like. Yeah, you will always have the potential for an outbreak, but someone with herpes doesn't have an outbreak every single day. Almost 4 billion people in the world have it. It's unfortunate, but not that serious. In the media, herpes is low-hanging fruit, just as making hooker jokes is. To me, it's like when a child starts googling things about sex because sex ed in school wasn't sufficient— I think every time I do have sex, it's in the back of my mind that this is something I have and could always possibly spread, but I do my part by taking my suppression therapy. I told one long-term partner and he didn't mind at all. His words were, I would get herpes so I would never have to worry about having sex with you. My current partner, however, does not know about my status. I don't feel comfortable sharing because I think he's a bit sheltered when it comes to that. He once said something about STIs being dirty, and I've had other unprotected sex without telling my partners. Since I religiously use suppressive therapy, the chances of spreading it are almost 3%. I don't want my HSV status to define me, and I think it's unnecessary to share. I wish people knew how common herpes really is. If you notice, when you get an STD panel, most places do not test for herpes. 
At one clinic, the nurse told me that they don't test because almost everyone would come back positive, and you can't do anything about it unless you have an active outbreak. I want people to know that life goes on. As a person with a laundry list of mental illnesses, herpes is at the bottom of my health concerns. I'm 31 years old now, and I was about 21 when I contracted HSV-1 from my partner at the time, who's actually now my husband. Uh, He had an outbreak that weekend when he was visiting. He was my long-distance boyfriend, Um, but we didn't really let that stop us. We only got to see each other every so often, and I was pretty naive about how transmissible it was and didn't really think because he had something on his lip that I didn't really understand what it was that I would soon start to have outbreaks myself. Uh, A few years later, out of college at my first office job, um, I went to a happy hour with two other girls at the time. I was about 23, and I do remember that we each got a different cocktail and we tried each other's drinks. Um, And then the next day, my one coworker texted the two of us and accused us of giving her HSV-1. She was having an outbreak and neither of us were having an outbreak at the time. And we reassured her we would not knowingly share drinks with her if that was the case, but she was convinced. She called us dirty bitches, told us to drop dead. And so that was my first experience where it was definitely made to feel very shameful and dirty about having this, even though I wasn't having an outbreak at the time, I put it together that if that's how she was feeling, you know, maybe at some point before that is what I had and did some research. And I realized, you know, there's no way I could have given it to her that time, but I definitely became much more aware about sharing drinks during an outbreak um, and very aware of the stigma that is associated with it. About a couple years later, in my later 20s, I was at a bar with friends and I was having an active outbreak, but I, w- I could cover up pr- pretty well with lipstick. And they had a beer. I had a different beer. And another, it was another situation where, oh, maybe we should try each other's drinks. And I said, you know, um, I, I kind of have something on my lip right now. I, I'd rather not share drinks. I don't want to give you anything. You know, I'm not feeling well. And then one of them said, oh, you got the herp. And they both started laughing and it just didn't feel like a great situation. I asked them to keep their voices down. It was very anxiety inducing and did not feel good. Now and even then, I definitely feel like wanting to hide. I've avoided social events. I've stayed home from work. It's uh, it's not a great feeling when you're having an outbreak. With it being so prevalent, I mean, I think at least over half of the adult population, at least in the U.S., has HSV-1, and cold sores are pretty common. You would think that it would be less stigmatized, but unfortunately, it's definitely still something that even in my 30s, I struggle with, and... I think before every big event, you know, is is a cold sore going to pop up? 
is this going to be the time that I'm out at a social event like a friend's wedding or a family reunion where I have this thing on my face and I can't focus on being present in the moment and enjoying myself because I'm so self-conscious about this and wondering what people are thinking. I have genital HSV-1, which is very rarely talked about. I'm 27 now and got it when I was 23 from a guy I matched with on a dating app. The ironic thing I remember from this encounter is that we had talked about being tested for STIs and that we were both clean. We had sex once that night and used a condom. He went down on me and I didn't think anything of it as I thought I was having safe sex and never saw him again. When I first found out I had herpes, I was absolutely disgusted, depressed, and most of all terrified for my future as I thought I'd never find a partner to love me again. I remember looking down and seeing tiny cuts. My OBGYN looked at them under a magnifying glass, swabbed them, and a few days later told me the results came back positive for HSV-1. It was the most debilitating pain of my life. My vagina felt like it was on fire and nothing I did would help the pain. I had to pee squatting in the bathtub since urine touching the sores was excruciating. I felt helpless and horrified as I looked down at my vagina covered in red bumps that oozed. I spent endless hours doing research on herpes transmission, remedies, cures, and talking to people on forums to make sense of what I I was going through. Slowly with time, things got better. I started going on herpes dating apps and practiced disclosing to people on normal dating apps. I found that most people didn't care, and I took it upon myself to educate them about herpes, transmission rates, and safe sex. But I felt dirty for a long time after my diagnosis. The type of herpes I have is the same strain as the typical cold sore. Two-thirds of the world's population has HSV-1, yet because I have it genitally, the stigma made it completely different, like a life sentence and that you're tainted and untouchable. I remember thinking it could be transmitted through surfaces like toilet seats or sharing towels, and that the bumps would permanently be there for the rest of your life. It wasn't until I actually got it that I learned this was all false. Transmission rates are low and can be even less when taking medication. A lot of people don't know that it's possible to get genital herpes from a cold sore, though. I'm a rare statistic, but realistically, no one our age uses dental dams or protection when performing oral sex, so it should be known that you can, in fact, get herpes from oral sex. I used a condom the night I got herpes, and the guy didn't have a visible cold sore when he went down on me. It was almost a fluke. Lesson learned. Being diagnosed completely ruined my sex life for the first year. My confidence was at an all-time low and I was terrified of disclosing. I was even worried that masturbating or touching myself would spread it all over. I was insanely paranoid about it, but over time I changed my mindset. I learned that if someone isn't open-minded and rejects me because of herpes, then it's not someone I want to be with. I like to look at it as a blessing in disguise, as I learn to love myself for who I am. I won't lie and say it's not daunting to go on a date with someone a few times, really like them, and then constantly in the back of your head dread knowing you have to have the talk with them, but it's gotten easier over time. I've been happily in a relationship for over two years, and my partner was incredibly accepting of me when I disclosed it to him. 
Although I've never had an outbreak during our relationship, I still take Valtrex daily for peace of mind. I have not transmitted the virus to him. It rarely gets talked about, and our sex life is amazing. I wish people knew that you don't have to be promiscuous to have herpes. It's no different than any other skin condition. It's the stigma created by society that makes people with herpes feel helpless, and we can change the negative attitude about it by speaking up and educating ourselves and others. Know the statistics, and don't be afraid to share your diagnosis with your friends and family. When you have nothing to hide, you're free. I'm 30 years old, and I got herpes 10 years ago when I was 20. I have genital herpes. I contracted it when I was at university. I was really unwell at the time. I was really stressed. My body was very stressed out. I was working three different jobs, two nighttime jobs and one daytime job. Um, and I wasn't eating very well because I had no money, hence having three jobs. I think my immune system at the time was just at rock bottom. And I think that's why I got the symptoms so bad. I caught it off a guy who was quite well known on the nightlife scene at the time in the city which I went to union. And he kind of was very nice about it when I told him. I told him the next time I saw him and he was really sweet about it, but he very much denied ever having symptoms. When I first found out I had herpes, I felt I cried hysterically. I like ran around the city I lived in trying to get an appointment at a sexual health clinic. It was really emotional. I wouldn't say it made me feel a certain type of way about who I was, but it definitely made me feel a bit like dirty. I didn't have sex for like six months. <laughs> Managing the physical symptoms of my first like outbreak, as they call it, was really hard because it was so painful. Like peeing was agony, pooping was even worse. It felt like I was literally pooping shards of glass. How it's regarded in the UK is just like, it's like it's dirty, it's disgusting, you're gross. Like there's so much shame around sex in the UK as there is it is anyway. And I think like to have an incurable STD or STI, in the UK is something that's seen as like, oh, that's disgusting, which is weird because like, it's just the same as cold sores, but on a different part of your body. And like, you can easily catch it from having protected sex as well as unprotected because it's skin to skin. In, in the UK, we call cold, like we call herpes on the mouth cold sores. And I don't know if that's the same for other countries, but like, it's something, it's a disease, like something that kids get because they're, they're like, picking their face, picking their nose, picking their eyes, like, and it's just something that's regarded as quite, like, normal. And if you get cold sores as an adult, it's like, oh, you've got a cold sore, like, it's fine. But when it's on your genitals, like, on, literally, on your vagina, people are so much more judgmental. Because there's so much shame, and because, like, if you're not having an outbreak, and if you're taking good care of your health, the chances of you passing it on are quite slim. And the same for the person on the receiving end. And so, like, I will probably get judged for this numerous times. But, like, I didn't tell a lot of people. It's one of those things where I was sleeping with guys regularly. So, like, I had, like, a regular sexual partner probably immediately afterward. Not immediately afterwards, sorry. Like, he was the first person that I slept with afterwards a, f a good few months later. And we carried, we were seeing each other for maybe half a year. I'm not sure. 
And he never said to me like, oh, I've got this wrong with me. Have you given it to me? And so that kind of reassured me that like, I'm not dirty. I'm not gonna like infect the world with this disease every time I touch their dick or whatever. And so, yeah, like I didn't tell everybody because I just like, because of the stigma in society, in the society I live in, like I didn't want to have to like explain myself like, oh, well, we could catch it. You could catch it from me even if we didn't use condoms. Like I felt I didn't want to be controlled by it. But with my boyfriend, um, it turns out that girl he used to date previously had it as well. And so when I told him, he was like, oh, it's fine. It's never affected me. I've never had any symptoms. And of course, being my boyfriend, he would have told me. In terms of my actual symptoms, since my first outbreak, which was maybe, yeah, 10 years ago, basically, I would have one every few months initially. And like I was going on sunbeds and that made it worse. As I took better care of my health, the symptoms have become less and less. And like, I haven't had an outbreak of herpes in over four years. According to Dr. Google, if it lays dormant in your body for that long, then you, the chances of you getting another outbreak are slim to none. So I've, I would say I got away with it quite lightly. Like I've been quite lucky. And anybody who's listening to this who has herpes or has recently been had an outbreak, take your vitamins, like take vitamins, take good care of your health, exercise, don't go on some beds because that can trigger it. Make sure that you're eating well, getting a lot of sleep because my friends who have who have had repeating symptoms get outbreaks when they're stressed, um, get outbreaks when they're run down, get outbreaks as part of like having a cold or, you know, being ill with something else. So just like ensure that you're taking good care of yourself. I'm 27 years old. I was probably about one or two when I contracted oral herpes. My dad has always gotten one or two cold sores a year, so I probably got it from a kiss or sharing a drink. Apparently, all of his side of the family gets them and refers to them as fever blisters, not herpes. It feels like they view it as a rite of passage and shrug it off. I always knew I had something that I couldn't kiss people with or share drinks. My first memory of it was having it spread about halfway up the right side of my face and being slathered in Carmex at around age six. It was really uncomfortable and unsightly. Still is. It made me feel disgusting, especially when I was in high school when people sort of realized it's herpes. I wasn't bullied over it per se, but that was the time when everyone would make those herpes jokes, and I was hyper aware of jokes in movies. During college, I can remember getting one freshman year and none following. But immediately following graduation, I started getting back-to-back cold sores and being absolutely miserable. It felt like a giant pimple, kind of like the one in Osmosis Jones where it's so apparent and everyone is looking at it. After struggling with like three back-to-back, I finally got a prescription for Valtrex and whenever I feel one coming on, I'll take some and immediately halt it in its tracks. I can't lie, it feels fucking atrocious to have one. It feels like everyone can see you have it, and their eyes are glancing down and up at that disgusting scab. I've had it pop up in the same place so many times that a part of my lip is discolored. Honestly, I know so many people who get it, though. It's much like HPV is the common cold of the vagina, as my doctor likes to say. 
When I say, oh, don't look at my cold sore, people are like, I get them too, but it still makes me feel like a leper. The stigma is worse in pop culture than it is in real life. I found myself Googling stars with cold sores to make myself feel better sometimes. You can definitely find solace in identifying with other people who have it, and my TikTok algorithm has shown me multiple videos of kick-ass women who talk about their journeys with either oral or genital herpes. It's only been an issue when I haven't been able to kiss or give head for a long time. I prefer to keep it kiss-free for two or three weeks following a cold sore in case I am still shedding. And I will say that going out with one sucks because I always end up talking to a cute guy and not being able to have a sloppy drunk makeout. I distinctly remember my first boyfriend in college asking his doctor about it and the doctor saying he could still get it even though I didn't actively have one. It didn't stop us from enjoying each other though. And I don't feel the need to disclose to partners if I'm not going through or feeling any symptoms. But I think if someone disclosed having HSV2 to me, I'd be appreciative and inquisitive about the preventative actions they've taken and how they plan to have safe sex with me. My first symptom is tingling and burning on my top lip. There's little bumps before they turn into blisters. It's on the right side of my my mouth on both my top lip and corner. It will often happen in the spring, both in March and April back to back. Pineapple breaks me out. So does being on my period. Once I get it, I'm vigilant with all the ointments and creams and Valtrex, ice packs, the whole nine yards. I always carry two pills wherever I go, just in case. I have an autoimmune disease too, which makes it hard to heal wounds. What might take someone else a week to heal takes me too. The biggest misconception society has about herpes is that people who have it are gross and dirty. Most people don't know they have it also. Cold sores can be on your genitals, and genital herpes can be on your lips. At the end of the day, it's all herpes. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who identify as neither, my name is Allie Weiss, and this has been another illustrious episode of Tales of Taboo. If you enjoyed what you heard, and especially if you didn't, it would mean the world to me if you could take 30 seconds, which is less than the amount of time it takes to order a coffee in the morning, to write a review and leave a rating on either iTunes or Spotify or both. I know that a lot of podcasters ask for this, but in my case, it is genuinely a very useful thing to do, not promotional, because it increases the chances of people discovering my show for the first time, and that is another person who stories we can then potentially hear. In addition, there is merch available on my website. We have sweatshirts and G-strings. Both are so cute. The sweatshirts, at least, are very comfy. And I recently put them on sale. So if you want to help support me and this show, because it is entirely self-produced, buying a piece of merch is the best way to do that. I am so grateful for each and every one of you for your listenership. And until next week... Be good.